Good morning. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Did you pay more than $750 in federal income taxes last year? If you did, you might be paying more in income taxes than President Trump did the first year he spent in office. For years now, President Trump has been trying to keep his business taxes hidden. But the New York Times reportedly got a hold of his tax filings, as well as tax information related to hundreds of his companies, dating back more than two decades, including his first two years in office. Part of Trump's pitch to the nation when he was running for office in 2016 was he used to brag about how rich he is, how great he is at business, the art of the deal. You know my career. I built an unbelievable company. And by the way, I filed with the FCC almost uh, the federal elections, almost 100 pages of financials that show a worth of, if I ever sold it, over $10 billion. That's what I built. But in 2016, he paid just $750 in federal income taxes. Again, in 2017, just $750. And in 11 of the 18 years that The Times looked into, he paid no federal income tax. Why so little? How is it even possible? This investigation establishes a pattern. It shows how Trump has conducted business throughout his entire life. When he has money, he spends it lavishly. When his businesses fail, he uses tax loopholes to avoid paying the IRS. In the late 80s and the 90s, he went on a spending spree with his father's fortune, buying up the Plaza Hotel and airline fleet and casinos in Atlantic City. An earlier Times investigation found when those businesses failed, Trump lost so much money, he didn't pay federal income taxes for two decades. He did the same thing when he made his apprentice fortune in the late 2000s. The Times reporting shows that once again, he went on a buying spree. Golf courses, the old post office building in Washington, D.C., those projects are all hemorrhaging money. And the president is once again trying to turn those losses into tax refunds. He's reporting losses far greater than the money that he made. And in addition to that, he's tallying up what many people would consider personal expenses, like hair appointments or family homes, and he's charging them to his business so that he can write them off as business expenses. Now, Trump makes sense of this pattern of behavior by saying he's just smart enough to know how to take advantage of tax loopholes. That's why he pays so little. But these tax documents also show his businesses have lost a lot of money. And it's important to note, Trump did not divest himself from his business interests once he got to the White House, although he has said he's left the day-to-day running of his company to his children. While this news was breaking on Sunday, the headline on the Fox News homepage echoed the president's rebuttal that the Times reporting about his taxes is, quote, totally made up. Here's the president responding to it at a press briefing. It's totally fake news, made up, fake. We went through the same stories. You could have asked me the same questions four years ago. I had to litigate this and talk about it. Uh, totally fake news. Now, actually, I paid tax. but And you'll see that as soon as my tax returns. It, it's under audit. They've been under audit for a long time. This report shows the IRS is auditing his taxes. The Times investigation points to a nearly $73 million tax refund Trump's businesses claimed in 2010. The U.S. government has been trying to get that money back plus interest. And this case may be reportedly headed to federal court. 
The tax documents also shed light on whether Trump's businesses put him in conflict with his role as president. According to the documents, most of Trump's golf courses and hotels were losing millions of dollars a year until he got to the White House. Mar-a-Lago profits, for example, jumped more than $5 million a year since he started in presidential politics. In 2017, Billy Graham's Evangelical Association paid nearly $400,000 to the president's hotel in Washington, D.C. He's making money around the world, too. He brought in $73 million in foreign revenue during his first two years as president. A large proportion of that income came from his golf properties in Ireland and Scotland, and also from licensing deals in countries like the Philippines, Turkey, and India. And then there's the consulting fees. The Times report reveals the Trump Organization wrote off around $26 million in unexplained consulting fees between 2010 and 2018. And some of those deductions match consulting fees that were paid to Ivanka Trump in her financial disclosures. That would mean that Ivanka was paid as a consultant on projects that she helped oversee as a paid employee of her father's business. Now, the Times points out this isn't necessarily a violation of IRS rules. There are legitimate ways to pay your child as a consultant. But if this was a way to transfer money to Ivanka without having to pay a gift tax, that would be a violation. This is what's clear from this investigation. Trump is a businessman who owes a lot of money. There's his audit with the IRS. He is personally responsible for more than $400 million in loans. He even took a $100 million mortgage on his flagship Trump Tower, one he personally guaranteed. And most of those loans will be due in the next four years. And as the Times reporters write, quote, Ultimately, Mr. Trump has been more successful playing a business mogul than being one in real life. We've got less than 40 days to go until Election Day, and the sprint is on for Republicans to confirm Amy Coney Barrett, President Trump's replacement for the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Today, it is my honor to nominate one of our nation's most brilliant and gifted legal minds to the Supreme Court. She is a woman of unparalleled achievement, towering intellect, sterling credentials, and unyielding loyalty to the Constitution, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. The Wall Street Journal breaks down Barrett's background and legal thinking. Like all the other conservative justices, she's associated with the Federalist Society, which is an organization that cultivates conservative lawyers and helps them get roles in government, academia, and the courts. And it's been doing this for years. She's also known as both an originalist and a textualist, meaning she applies a literal interpretation of the Constitution. And she's criticized the idea of legal precedence. That's the doctrine that judges use to base rulings in the way past judges have interpreted the law in similar cases. So how would she rule on some of the most politically divisive issues of the day? BuzzFeed breaks down her judicial record. Even though it's short, she's only been a federal judge for three years. Now, most other justices served as a federal judge for over a decade before being confirmed to the Supreme Court, including President Trump's most recent picks. On abortion, the key issue that many Republicans are campaigning to overturn by appointing her to the court— Barrett hasn't issued opinions or dissent on the topic, but in the past, she's ruled in favor of states attempting to restrict abortion rights. And even though she doesn't have a long history of rulings to look at, before Barrett became a judge, she was a law professor at Notre Dame. 
and professors have a lot more freedom to talk about their personal beliefs than federal judges. BuzzFeed reports at that time she spoke about her opposition to abortion, and she was part of a university faculty for life group. On immigration, BuzzFeed explains her record is mixed. She voted in favor of Trump's public charge immigration policy. That policy denies legal status or admission to immigrants who have limited income and might use public assistance programs. But in one case, she teamed up with her liberal colleagues to stop the Trump administration from ending a policy that gives immigration judges discretion to close deportation cases when they consider an immigrant not to be a deportation priority. And when it comes to the Second Amendment, she goes further than most other conservative justices. She's argued certain nonviolent offenders should be allowed to own firearms. If Barrett is confirmed, it would give conservatives a firm majority on the Supreme Court. An analysis by researchers at Washington University in St. Louis and the University of Michigan puts Judge Barrett to the right of Trump's past two appointees, but a little bit to the left of Justices Thomas and Alito. According to the study's authors, this would make Justice Brett Kavanaugh the court's median justice, and it would substantially change the makeup of the Roberts Court. You can find coverage of the day's top stories and more in the Apple News app. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.